Hello, it's Derek Arden and welcome to another Monday Night Live. Today I've got Jane Gunn with me. I'm just going to read you some of Jane's qualifications. Not only is she a friend of mine, she took over from me as the president of the Professional Speaking Association. She joined the board of the Professional Speaking Association at my request to calm down some of the crazy uh, male things that uh, were going on. Jane, I'm not going to read all these out. FCI, FRSA, FPSA, CEDR, CMC, IMI, and um, a global leader in the Who's Who Hall of Fame. I just wanted to embarrass you. It looks like I've I know. Done that. I know. So, uh, so that's good. I'm fascinated by mediation. As I said in my briefing today, it's so close to negotiation. And I studied at Harvard under Bill Urey, who wrote Getting to Yes. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm a bit, I was a bit out of my depth with any mediations, which I brought you in to help, uh, one of my clients, Jane, tell me what's going on in the mediation world. And I think you were saying to me, things have changed a bit since COVID or since the beginning of COVID particularly. Well, they have, I mean, I was very lucky to go straight onto Zoom and I'd always resisted doing my mediations online. In fact, I remember going over to America to explain why I felt it would never work, <laughs> never take off. Um, I, I was at a big conference there, but of course we had to do that. And I have to say, I've been surprised at how well it is possible to mediate online. Um, it's very different. And of course, you know, you will know from your work, Derek, that in a body language, you can't, you know, you can't see my hands unless I lift them up. You know, you all you can see is this face in a square. And of course, it's very easy for someone to press eject and disappear from the meeting. So you haven't got that sort of compulsion to stay, stay in the hot seat, if you like. So there, there are lots of differences, but I do think there are some benefits um, I have, for example, and I don't even know if it's going ahead, but this week I have a mediation which was going to be in person. Um, two people are sort of very wary of meeting each other. And so now the uh, intention is for it to be online because the stress of actually traveling to the mediation, uh, one of the parties got a very long journey to make hotel expenses and everything we reverted to having it online uh, it, and these are two people who definitely didn't want to meet face to face so that's going to be different one of the differences is that in a um, full day mediation you would usually sort of take the full day and see whether you've resolved it by the end of the day with online mediation because you're not having to book rooms is a bit like us as speakers having to book rooms because you're not having to book rooms you can, if it would work, chunk the meeting up a little bit. So, for example, if you get to lunchtime and people need to take a break or they need to take some time to consult with their lawyers or have a think about things, you can reconvene later or reconvene tomorrow and you haven't got that pressure of the the room booking and the, and I mean, I, I, I've been in buildings before where they, you know, the, the, the booking comes to an end at six and they, you know, they come around and ring a bell and tell you you've got to go. So just di so many differences. I think, I think that not meeting face to face is definitely as it is for us as speakers, not being in the room is very different, but I have found that it works quite well for different reasons. 
you mentioned pr people wanted um, pre-mediation deals. In other words, not going to mediation, but they wanted to, presumably they wanted you to sort it out before. Almost, yes. Yeah. So I've had I've got two cases running at the moment and there have been requests for, you know, could somebody put an offer on the table before we start? Well, probably not. That wouldn't be normal, but they're asking for that. And then someone else saying, oh, could we have some, you know, a specific set of documents that but the 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 reason mediation works and the reason that's so challenging is that you have this confidentiality agreement everybody signs the mediation agreement and it's confidential and what we call without prejudice it means that anything you talk about in the mediation documents you reveal offers you make won't prejudice your legal case if you go back onto that conveyor belt and so it doesn't really work to be making offers and exchanging documents before you've signed that document so that's why mediation is special and why it works and why these ideas of sort of pre-negotiating aren't really working very well. How much research do you have to do before you go to uh, the morning of a mediation? Well, I, in theory, I don't really. I mean, I've got a case for the case this week. I've literally just received a large bundle of documents. So what I usually get is a, is all the legal pleadings. I get all the documents sent to me. Plus, each party can send me what's called a position statement. So that's a summary of what their position as at today is um, and anything else. They can send me also what we call a for your eyes only documents if they want to say anything to me that isn't revealed to any other party. So I do get and I expect I haven't even opened this bundle. I didn't want to open it this evening. <laughs> I'd be distracted now. Uh, I'll open it tomorrow. But I think I've got quite a lot of reading to do for this week's case uh, if it goes ahead. So I I expect and I do expect to read that because I do expect to be up to speed with what the parties are talking about. And this is a complex case. So I think I do need to sort of what we call do read in. I need to do my reading in. And that can take, we usually allow um, under the under my mediation contract about five hours for that. So you get up to five hours of reading time for me. So it can be quite significant reading time. Well, you're a trained lawyer, but that would, um, I would struggle with that if I didn't understand the complexities of the yes. case. And, yes. with, and, uh, and with that, is it printed out or are you reading on the screen? No, I'm reading it on the screen now. So what used to happen is that you would get a motorbike arrive at your door with a great big bundle. Uh, and then the challenge with that was in a in an in-person mediation, they knew like, well, am I supposed to struggle with this great big bundle of documents and take it with me? Or are you going to provide a lot of printing? So then they'd say, well, you know, are, are you going to provide me with another bundle? And then, of course, you've got to think, well, how am I going to dispose of it afterwards? Because it's all deadly secret. So um, that's the challenge with that is, yeah, now you get documents online and um, you got to read them on the screen and you can't, I can't really print. I can't justify printing them off. Uh, so that's um yeah presumably that's something you've learned to do because i'm not sure i have yet in a really complicated situation a lot of people tell me they haven't they haven't either um i do i have learned to do it i mean normally 
I would mark things up and, um, you know, even if I'm reading a business book, I like to write in it or mark it up. So I prefer to, my preference would be to mark things up and, um, you know, to put sticky, sticky labels in to mark things. So it's, it is different. I don't really like it. I would prefer to receive a hard copy bundle, but there you go. Incidentally, <laughs> does everybody know what their uh, reading speed is? Because mine's 701 words a minute if I really go for it and use the mouse or my finger. There's a website called www.readingsoft.com where you can test your reading speed and your comprehension. It takes about five or ten minutes, but uh, um, it's really interesting to do. And I've just remembered that. So um, I comment on that in my book because clearly your preparation any negotiation or mediation is is vital. So I'm in awe of you there, Jane. John Lisby's got a very quick question, I think, John, uh, very quickly. I was just going to say uh, I got a remarkable. Do you know? And then if you yes. download a PDF to a remarkable, you can write up i have seen those john and i have been tempted but i haven't yet because I still they prefer... were stupidly expensive i know and actually for day-to-day -day work i still prefer to have my notebooks i i just i just like writing things by hand and i know you can with that but i'm still I mean, it feels like you're writing on paper with that yes but i paper. still think you know if the whole system goes down i've lost my notes whereas i've got all my paper here so well, that you haven't, have you? Because you can, you write on the PDF, and then you can send it back to yourself you into can. your notebook. Yeah, yeah, yes. Anyway, I'll just a thought. John, is that a piece of software? Can you put the details in the chat box for people? Um, yes, it's a bit like an iPad kind of thing, but it's it is an iPad, but it has a pen, and it feels. You and can you can write, write on whether it. you like a pencil. It feels like you're writing with a pencil, and it's not like yeah. you're feeling like it's writing on a screen. Yeah, fantastic, it's quite remarkable. It is remarkable. <laughs> it is remarkable. Okay, well, let's keep going because we don't want to run out of time. Um, reluctance to meet face to face, eyeball to eyeball. We've talked about the huge benefits of meeting eyeball to eyeball, and I'm going to do a a, a session on that. Um, you said to me that uh, there seems to be um, a movement to try and get other people to solve their issues and, and not really uh, talk about them or get into the mediation room at all. Um, is that well, is that the case? Yeah, I mean, that's been, although I mediate, my drive to get people to think about solving things early has been right from the beginning of when I trained as a mediator. We talk about it as the window of opportunity because from the moment some kind of tension or conflict arises to the time you end up in. So I make a distinction between a conflict and a dispute. A conflict is the process during which people are expressing their unhappiness with each other. And that might be they're filing a complaint, they're filing a lawsuit, they're shouting at each other, whatever it is, the process, the behavior. Uh, and then the dispute is the end point. You know, you've reached deadlock and, and you come and you get you go into litigation or whatever. Um, and so I see this huge window of opportunity during which if you could have some kind of conversation or facilitated conversation or you had some process that you could follow yourself, you could have more you could have more um, structured and effective conversations and resolve stuff yourself. So I think people need 
a framework to be able to do that and some ground rules, if you like, which is one of the other things we have in mediation. We sort of have some ground rules about how people are going to behave or, or some values, if you like. Um, so some principles. It's a process. Mediation is a process with principles, shall we say. OK, come on, let's uh, give us some of the, some of those ground rules, because I've uh, I've seen you in action. You're pretty you're pretty scary, actually. In action. <laughs> I think that's probably why you're so Eric always says I used to look over the top of my glasses at him in the board meeting. But there you go. Um, I don't really like to sort of say that I'm imposing rules. I like to say to people, what is it that's going to make this meeting effective and what is it that's going to make it ineffective? And people will say things like, well, it'll be ineffective if people start shouting over the top of each other. So, OK, that become, that's a very sensible ground rule. And that certainly does happen. So just thinking about those very simple things, how do we need to behave to enable this meeting to be effective so i talk about values and then i talk about my four values which sound a bit soft and fluffy but they're not really so which is listen learn love and laugh so listen means we will listen to each other with respect we won't interrupt each other and we will be interested to learn what what we can from each other we're not you know so it's about not being black and white and right and wrong i'm here we're here all here to learn from each other the love thing really means we must treat each other with courtesy and respect that's so important and then laugh means treat each other with humor and humility you know we can be light-hearted in a mediation even in a very serious mediation you can treat each other with humor and humility and that really helps people to you know to think Actually, what you're trying to do is create a space in which people feel psychologically safe and able to think. Uh, so it's this thinking space. And if you can lighten the load, if you like, and enable that thinking space to be, you know, free of somebody bullying you, somebody shouting at you, um, you know, somebody not listening, all those things, then and that enables people to think clearly. So that's what we're trying to do right at the beginning is set those principles um, and enable people to think. The, the core principle of mediation is self-determination and informed consent. So every it's not my job as it would be. So a judge's job in court would be to make a ruling, a decision. My job is to enable them to make their own decision from a place of being fully informed. So they understood their own case. They understood the other party's case. They understood all the other decision-making criteria. For example, I did a post last week, which is about three sides of the triangle for mediation. You've got the legal case, which everybody focuses on, but you've also got what about your business and what about your personal life? So you've got to know um, those three sides of the triangle. What impact, you know, or what relevance does the legal case and, and the merits of that have on your decision? But what impact does your personal circumstances and your business circumstances have on your decision as to where you resolve this? Because if you plough on with litigation for another two years, but you become unproductive in your business or somebody walks away, you know, or your business is going to fail, what was the point of that? And, um, you know, similarly, if your personal life is going to fall to pieces, then 
you know, you've got to weigh all those things in the balance. So it's a balance. And what usually happens in mediation is people come in with their lawyers and say, oh, my legal case is so strong, but it's not about that. You know, if you're going to spend another two years trying to prove your legal case and it's not 100% watertight, so there's a risk that you might not succeed and the risk of not succeeding um, contains consequences, not least that you pay the legal fees of the other side, but all these business and personal consequences as well, all of that has to be weighed up into the balance. Wow, there's so many so many things you mentioned there. I'm just trying to get my head around how you make them laugh when they come in. <laughs> you were saying that uh, in a live mediation, not on Zoom, that very often they don't want to see each other, they want to hide in in rooms and uh, you're getting a lot of fitness saves going to the gym you're running between yeah I need roller skates sometimes yeah. Derek depending you go into some venues and they say well you're you know we put one party here and the other party's on the second floor up there <laughs> well, oh, thanks so very much oh, wow. <laughs> wow. but um yeah and especially for this one I mean if we were going to meet in person and they didn't want to see each other you've got to think about that very carefully now, what's the configuration of the building? How are you really going to make that happen, that they're not going to bump into each other in the corridor or going to the loo or something like that? It's just, geez, it happens more often than you can imagine that people don't say they don't want to even bump into the other party. I've had to actually sellotape paper over glass panels indoors before. So. Gee whiz. Have you... Um ever had any issues uh, like the uh, rugby world cup where people were charging into each other I, know, I yes I, well i have had people swinging at each other in a mediation and i had to stand between them and i'm quite small so <laughs> it doesn't often happen but you know that uh, yeah emotions get quite high they do and uh how did you resolve that we need to know we want to know <laughs> I literally think I stood between them and, and then sort of said, well, I think, you know, I think we need a break now. And um, time out, time, so powerful, out. time out, time out and time to take a walk sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, when you helped me in the mediation and I expect my clients listening to this, I remember you emphasizing the costs and emphasizing the costs, perhaps to everybody's um, health, fitness, time, business, yeah. profitability of the business while you're unfocused, which was really helpful. And uh, we came to um, almost a win-win, uh, despite a little bit of funny business from the other side. Um, but um, when we met with a barrister, you weren't there. The barrister said, even however strong your case is, you've still got a, only got a 65% chance of winning because it depends what mood the judge is in. Now, that was a huge surprise to me as a layman. Who yeah, thought, yeah, my, my business partner always say, depends what side of the bed the judge has got out on the morning of your case. So, yeah, it, it, it yeah, I, I think what they're saying really is no, what I've just said, no legal case is 100% watertight. It isn't because of the way the English law works. It's case law. It depends on the facts of the case which are all very different. And so therefore it depends on the judge's view and opinion um, and how well your barrister presents your case and what your evidence is. So, you know, people 
come to litigation, they come to mediation and say, well, you know, I, I've got um, I've got a watertight case. And, and what they say to me is that they use the phrase, I think you're going to need to spend more time in the other person's room, which they mean, by which they mean, I think I think you're going to have to go and persuade them how strong our case. And I, well, that's not my job <laughs> to be persuading other people that your case is stronger than theirs. You know, that's your job. But um, they do still come to mediation as they would to litigation, you know, to try and persuade everybody that it's their case that's the strongest. But as I say, the thinking has to be much broader than that in mediation. It's not about, mm. it's not about, about right or wrong. It's not what we call, it's not litigation light. <laughs> it's not a light, it's not a, it's not a practice litigation. And uh, do they, they turn up with their solicitor and their barrister, do they? Yes, quite often, yeah. So you often get a whole team. You might get uh, solicitor, junior solicitor, barrister, KC, what we now call them. We used to be a QC. Often you get the whole team Gee. coming. With the clock running all the time and no skin in the game, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can only imagine the cost of that. Um, yeah, a whole day with all those people. Jane, do you get a chance to talk to the people involved on their own without their well, case often leader, not. No, that's the challenge. That is the challenge. And I can remember going back 10 or 15 years now and dealing with um, a very complex trust case. And we had lawyers from Liechtenstein and lawyers from I can't tell you where and accountants, and it was a, a, a family trust case. But in essence, it was a dispute between a father and daughter. And I had a, a colleague with me, we were co-mediating, and we said, can we not just have a session, just the two of us with the father and daughter, and that we couldn't get it organised. Mm. But, you know, we just felt if we could talk to the father and daughter, i just say, you know, can we just talk about this? Yeah, person to person, really, you know, father to daughter. And you can't call that. You just have to go with You can ask for it, but you can't insist. So, you know, everything has to be done by consent. And if people say we don't consent, then you can't. I guess the... Um... My, um, my business partner always used to say, uh, he was called David, and he always used to say the best conversations would happen if you said, let's have a break, and everybody went off to the loo, and you'd catch people either in the corridor or in the loo, and I called that a bog-standard mediation. <laughs> You're terrible. You're uh, <laughs> terrible. If you're raising that, you know, I always thought it was fun, the title of this book. <laughs> Bedlam in the boardroom and boredom in the uh, bedroom. In the bedroom. You're good at making people laugh. What's the title of your new book that's coming out shortly? Oh, um, well, we're still deciding on that, but it's uh, it, it's very much more of a story about a mole, actually. It's a story about a mole. So what I've done, uh, one of the things I did in lockdown was to create a, a map of a journey. And the journey really um, plots the process of mediation, what you go through after. So in the bottom of the map, you've got the storm, the storm that's um, uh, whatever the thing that you've gone through and um, 
how you often feel uprooted by that. And then I've plotted the journey that we go through together in mediation. Often my clients get stuck in this place I call the murky swamp of reality. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things we do in mediation is reality testing. That's all I've just been doing. We call that reality testing. What is the reality of your case? What is the reality of your situation? Have you come to terms with that? So very often clients, clients have got stuck and what we're trying to do is what we call, you know, clarify, reach clarification, get get them to get clear about what really matters to them, what their case is really about um, and what their options are. And so in this map, I have plotted this journey um, and in my book as well, I've created that the journey of uh, of mediation and how you get to a place I call the mountaintop of experience so um how you get there how you how you uh how you come to the realization of what it's all about really mm. so yeah we'll see i've just finished it it's just gone off to be laid out today the books <laughs> well congratulations um, on that we look forward to we look forward to reading it and get you getting you back on the program yeah i'll come and tell you all about it when it's published yeah. And don't forget to join Jane. She's going to try and join us on the 24th of November live at the Victory Services Club. Well, I would have the best book. persuasion skills out. I would hopefully have the book by then, uh, Derek. So, yeah, Fantastic. we can talk all about it. Last question, Jane, because we're nearly mm. out of time. What impact might social media have on the, uh, on uh, you know, because I could see people posting silly things on Facebook, you know, the week before. About a mediation? Yeah, about a mediation, yeah. Oh, well, they don't. I mean, no, I've never had that. Um, the only one I did, um, I actually, I used to do quite a lot of work in the medical negligence field, and I'd been dealing with a, a case, a medical case, and I heard it come up on Radio 4, or one of the radio stations, where... So what people are desperate to do, particularly if they feel they've been injured in the personal injury or medical negligence cases, they want to tell their story. And if they can't tell their story in a mediation, um, then they go to the press. And this person had gone to the press and I thought, gosh, you know, I wish I wish you'd come to mediation instead of going to the press mm -hmm. because you'd have had a better chance of success. I don't, I mean, I think it's really fairly well understood that you would be prejudicing your case or you'd be prejudicing the confidentiality if you spoke on Facebook and so on. Okay. Um, that, that, that doesn't really happen. Saying these um, people are all for dreadful or some of the nonsense that goes on. Yeah, but I mean, I do have a view on that. I, I just think, uh, and I've been talking about it today, um, I think I had a quote about it somewhere, which I thought was quite interesting when I wrote it down here. There, where's my piece of paper? Here we are. One of the truest signs of maturity is the ability to disagree with someone while still remaining respectful. <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. This is the challenge we face is that um, everybody's got an opinion, a very strong opinion about lots of things. I think that's fine. I think we should be able to disagree without being disagreeable and that we should be able to. The most important thing to be able to do is to have these effective conversations to debate some of these hot topics. Uh, and not say, I can't talk to you, I'm cancelling you um, because you disagree with my view. Um, 
we need to have the ability to talk to each other about those differences. And usually you find that you learn something about someone. Um, I do a particular exercise in my training, actually, where we pitch people against each other. They have to take stridently opposite views on something on, on a hot topic. But giving, given a mediation type process, they come to really understand and even agree with each other at some level. So it, it's really important in the world we live in today that we just don't sort of fall out with everybody, become polarized and at war. There's enough war going on without us needing to be at war with our friends and colleagues over things we disagree about. Absolutely. As Winston Churchill said, war, uh, George or not war, war. But um, I, th yeah. I, I think Chamberlain might have said that before him. Jane Gunn, thanks for... Uh, uh, being you, on uh, Monday Night Live, uh, we've got time for a few questions after the recording. Will you come back and join us again when you've uh, got your new book out? I will do. Thank you. OK, it's always a great pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much. And would I ask members of Monday Night Live to give Jane the round of applause in the normal. Oh, thank you. <laughs> way. And if you want to get in touch with Jane ever, uh, I would uh, commend you speak to her before you get into a battle with anyone uh, you can uh, just google jane gunn and all sorts yeah. of uh, links come up they do yes jane thanks so much Great. pleasure See, catch up with you soon mm.